All right. We're okay. live. Another episode of Monero Talk. Uh, this one's kind of been a, a long one coming. We're with uh, Vic of Cake Wallet. Um, I guess we'll, we'll get into how we met and everything, but uh, I don't know if Kate, uh, Vic, if you want to do a quick intro. Um, of how we met or just intro of myself? Yeah, of yourself. Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the steel business, uh, which I think I've mentioned many times before. I'll, I've always been in the steel business. Wait, you know what? I'm not seeing you when you, when you talk. I'm seeing you. Are you seeing your video at all? No, I'm seeing a still image of myself. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm using Safari. Should I switch to Chrome? Yeah. All right, hold on. Guess we're still live here. Um, I will give the uh, the quick intro. So, oh, he's back. All right, there we go. That's much better. Yeah. All right. Okay. I, th I didn't realize that was a still picture I was looking at before. That's why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, uh, so where was I? Yeah. Um, I'm. Um, Engineer by education. I've always been in the steel industry, and I got into crypto in 2013 um, during, of course, the whole uh, Bitcoin craze and Mount Gox and all that. And uh, I think someone's breaking into your house. <laughs> and uh, I actually bought a, a Bitcoin miner off of eBay in 2014 and I was mining Bitcoin for a while and then last year discovered Monero and uh, haven't looked back uh, in June July of 2017 we started making cake wallet uh, we saw that there's no or I saw that there's no uh, iOS wallet uh, for Monero and of course, I came across uh, Monero on Alphabay, like a lot of us did, um, and realized how Bitcoin is not private at all, and started trying to understand Monero, looking into it, really, really became a believer, um, and started uh, working on the app. Um, and in January of this year, we, we launched the app. It was... Now I look back at it, it was pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> it hardly worked. Um, and then actually you, you were the first one uh, from the community who reached out. And um, I think that was in January, time flies, huh? And yep. When I met for beer, I told my wife, yeah, I'm going to uh, just go have a beer with this, uh, these Monero nerds. And, <laughs> and I may not make it back. No, I said I'll be back in half an hour. <laughs> By the way, nice shirts. Yeah, we should a little backstory on the show, right? This is from the meetup, the New York City uh, meetup that we just had. Vic yep. was uh, throwing these out to people that answered the questions correctly. Right, right. But yeah, I had I had reached out to you that time because yep. um, 
I mean, me, I guess like everybody else in the community, we had been waiting for an iOS wallet. And I forget the, which was the wallet that was anticipated at that time. I guess it was the My Monero wallet that was anticipated that everybody was kind of waiting for. And I had never heard of Cake at all. And yeah. then uh, one day I open up Reddit and we see like, you know, a post, uh, you know, uh, Cake, the new iOS wallet. And uh, I remember me and Brian were kind of in, in disbelief and we didn't really trust it right away because it, it had been something that we hadn't heard of at all talked about in the community. And everybody had been anticipating um, an iOS wallet, but coming from somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and so literally just uh, old school approach, we thought the safe thing to do would be to meet up with you and try to vet you personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's what we did because I think you had mentioned New York at some point. So we knew that you were in New York and you were cool enough to uh, surprisingly, you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I was trying to be as open and transparent and available as I possibly could be, you know, uh, right off the bat, revealing my identity, location, everything to make sure. Because, um, you know, reading. Monero, I mean, I hadn't been reading Monero that long. I think I commented once on it, and maybe I even knew about its existence maybe a month uh, month before um, we launched. Um, so we never announced it. I, I didn't check the uh, subreddit uh, all the time to see what's going on, what's happening with other developments. We kind of built it in a vacuum, and and sometimes ignorance is bliss, you know. Um, I think if we had come out and launched or announced or something, I think it would have been just too much pressure. You know? mm -hmm. Even on the funding part, you know, a lot, when, even when we came out, a lot of people said, oh, you know, you should get funding, you, you know, you can accelerate development and all that. But personally, my fear was then to, you know, become um, answerable. To somebody or the community or what have you, so we just wanted to work at our pace and uh, understand it. You know, I mean, and and the, and the biggest thing is understand it. Um, jokingly, we always used to say and, uh, while we were building it that uh, cake wallet for noobs by noobs. <laughs> um, yeah, I think one of the greatest, I mean, interesting lessons that I that I learned from watching you, the way you launched and everything, was just. Uh, I think, this, you know, anybody that's in the community now or people that are listening or thinking, you know, just getting into Monero or crypto, um, you know, don't assume that somebody else is doing it, you know, because these are open source projects. There's kind of like this uh, tragedy of the commons, right? Because you uh, because it's open source, you kind of always assume that somebody else is doing it or you're not sure if there's some permission that you need to ask from somebody. But I mean, the whole nature is it's permissionless. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have an idea and you want to do something, just go do it and right. don't necessarily assume somebody else is doing it. And even if somebody is doing it, don't assume that there's no reason why you shouldn't also exactly. uh, attempt it. Right. And I think that's a bigger problem. You know, if I would have gone on Reddit a lot and seen, okay, it's something called X wallet or Maya Monero or something's being development. You'd think, oh, okay, these guys are already doing it. They know more than I do. So again, I, th I think ignorance was bliss. Um, and and you're absolutely right. There's a lesson to be learned from that. Just because somebody else is doing it, you can always use another player. You can always use another competitor. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it turned out good. Um, you know, the community was uh, welcoming and harsh at the same time, which I, I think, which I understand now, you know, I was pretty upset at that time, but now uh, I understand that they wanted, everybody wanted a wallet, everybody wanted a good wallet. And here was a sign of something that could work. So I think everybody um, wanted to make sure that it does. Uh... I think with Monero especially, because I mean, it's like you could literally, you know, get away with robbery mm-hmm. quite easily, right? I mean, if, if it was a corrupt uh, version, uh, people start sending their Monero there and you disappear, they're, you know, that's it. You're gone. Right. Um and I, I think that's just way the the, the Monero community being open source uh, by nature uh, is is kind of very critical of anyone that's not following that protocol, right? So I guess that, well, yeah, what was the story there? Because I remember when you first launched it, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't that you didn't say, it wasn't, was it closed source or was it you just hadn't? You hadn't gotten around to figuring out how to make it open source. I think it's kind of like we had considered that it didn't exist for us. Uh, We didn't even think that would be a question again, because we hadn't gone on the subreddit. We didn't know. We didn't. I mean, when everybody said open source, tell you the truth, I didn't uh, I didn't even know the real definition. You know, what is open source? You know, Um, so. So to answer your question, we didn't know. I didn't know. And um, you know, at that time, everybody said open source. And initially, I thought, but we're using libraries that are that are open source. We're using Monero libraries. What's the problem? And you know, then we learned, no, your code has to be open source. Not that you just use open source code. What was your initial reaction to that? Where you're like, oh, that's going to kind of kill the whole uh, the whole uh, value proposition here, like the whole business model, or um, you not see it that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried even that, you know, even the internal battle of, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do. Even that I posted on Reddit and took advice from a lot of people. Um, yeah, there's a part of you thinks, no, I want to keep this to myself and, you know, control it and all that. And then there was a realization that if you do that, it's never going to pick up steam. It's never going to gain acceptance in the community. Um, and, and a lot of people reached out. Uh, you know, a lot of people reached out. Um, let me just put this on. A lot of people reached out and uh, explained why it would be uh, good. Um, and after thinking it over and studying it, we decided, okay, this is the way to go. And 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 be a part of the community rather than just be a a free wallet, you know, or somebody else is trying to provide something to the community and make a buck. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so and I think we are. I think we are part of the community. I consider myself now part of the Monero world, you know. Um, so, yeah, we didn't know. And the Diego, I, I don't know, at the meetup, if you remember, uh, uh, Diego, uh, username RareR, he was the one that reached out and talked for a long time on the phone a few times. Um, went back and forth, the pros and the cons, and um, and what the Android wallet did, and how they're you know how it ended up for them. So all those played a part. Um, but yeah, definitely. I, I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we went that route. Yeah, it seems to it's definitely working out, right? Yeah. Um, have has there been any commits or any contribution from people other than you know you got the ones that started the. Uh, 
you and the couple of guys you've been working with? Um, in terms of actual coding or, you know, yeah, cause I mean, it's open source, right? Yeah. So has anybody like the unexpectedly like kind of contributed in a way, you know, where you weren't, you know, no offering some code or something. No, that hasn't happened. No, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, okay. But people did contribute in terms of giving ideas, giving feedback, being testers. Um, and that way there has been contribution, but in actual coding, no, there has not. Been. So, so just, just to get into the details too, because I think it's kind of an amazing story. Because I mean, the thing about uh, the iOS wallet also, and the weight that um, when everybody was waiting for it, there was kind of rumors that like it couldn't really be done. It was kind of like the, uh, you know, the rumor that was going on, whether or not that was FUD or whatever. But, you know, people just weren't, couldn't figure out why it was taking so long. And the rumor was like, like you literally can't make, you know, an iOS Monero wallet. So were, did, were there issues, that, a lot of issues that you came across while you guys are trying to code it? Or it was just a matter of like anything else, you just had to get, get down and dirty in the code and eventually you're able to build it? Or were there some like real... Uh, hurdles you had you guys had overcome definitely it was hard i mean you know it took us from june like i said june july of 2017 all the way to january for the six six seven months um even today even today uh you know with the uh, network upgrade you know the forks which we call upgrades now right and the code changing um the libraries changing yeah it's a challenge um we have to stay on top of it um you know, initially back in, again, June 2017, we thought, okay, just to test it out, let's just try to do something with Bitcoin just to kind of learn. And we're like, oh yeah, this is easy. We can do that in a few weeks. And then we're like, okay, yeah, let's go. Let's start on Monero now. And um, it took longer than we anticipated. So, you know, the, I think the other issue is that you have the, you have the Monero code being written by the core devs, right, core development group. And then you're here trying to do something completely independent. And that code is changing every few months. And then you have to adapt your, your system to work with that new code. And right now we're, we're having that issue. You know, there's version uh, 0.13 and we're implementing that. And yeah, there's some things that have changed. And now we have to go back and redo some parts. That's, yeah, that's okay. It's, uh, but that's your challenge. Yeah. Was your developer working uh, with the core devs? Like, was he like bouncing questions off them or anything, or it was just kind of um, off on your own? I think between June, July, or December, maybe he had two, three uh, interactions with them, and I could be wrong. He might have just looked at all things that are already posted online, uh, problems he had. We actually started communicating with the core devs when Knife of Pi came on. Knife of Pi 2, something, I don't know his username. Uh, when he came on, um, then we started having more discussions with the core dev. He, was, he became kind of like our liaison. Uh, okay. You know, is, um, you know, maybe we weren't using the right language or the right terms at times. And uh, he was able to communicate and feedback that information to us. Um, having said that, today I had 20 questions from an era move, and um, he, I assume he's a he, um, 
was uh, very uh, kind and nice to patiently answer each question. And um, we were able to come overcome some hurdles today. So yeah, we do have some interaction. interaction. So getting back to kind of your path to Monero. So you started off in Bitcoin, like you know a lot of people did, yeah. and then you had stumbled across Monero. Or no, actually, I think I, I I remember now what the backstory is, but I'll, I'll pretend I don't know. Um, well, I mean, if I'll, you want to tell the uh, the story, I, wasn't there there was like a, a Coinbase issue or something? Yeah. You got, I mean, I got on Alpha Bay because I wanted to buy antibiotics. And so I found a seller. Antibiotics, yeah. Honestly, antibiotics, I was too lazy. <laughs> and plus I wanted to check out what Alpha Bay was and here's a, buying something that's not too illegal, right? So, and I tried to buy antibiotics, but I sent the Bitcoin directly from my Coinbase account. And literally, I don't know, three, four days later, I got a message from Coinbase saying you used your account for illicit purposes, which is against the terms and conditions of Coinbase. Please move your Bitcoin. We're shutting down your account. So that that was a, definitely an eye opener. You know, yeah, was that was that like a major wake up? Was that kind of like a breakthrough moment for you where you kind of yeah, yeah. like this isn't really you know, this censorship resistant money if I have a company preventing me from using it, essentially. Well, you know, I never thought it was that easy, right? Uh, I mean, you always read online that, oh yeah, Bitcoin's not private, Bitcoin's not, you know, it's not anonymous, this and that. And you think, okay, you know, for regular people it is, but if you're some, you know, computer hacker sitting there with some super powerful computer and processing power, you're able to do this. But no, it was Coinbase. You know, <laughs> we're just able to just figure out that, um, where, where I sent the Bitcoin and then shut down my account. So it was definitely an eye-opener. And, and and that happened, I guess, in uh, April or May of 2017. And we started development in June of 2017. So, yeah. Did you did you kind of investigate other cryptos at that time as well? Or was it just Monero? Because I remember, like, for myself, I had, mm -hmm. I had started to look into, at the same oh. time, uh, like Monero, Dash, and Zcash when they were like, you know, I forget, I guess that was 2006. I don't remember. They were like a dollar, five dollars. One was a dollar, one was five bucks. So, whatever year that was, just started to look into them. And uh, I kind of saw that I was actually a little more interested in Dash only because I came up, I had heard about Monero. Yeah. Um, but Dash was so easy to start to use. I don't know if you ever messed around with it at all, yeah. but it was like very easy to download the client. Like I'm not very tech savvy and it was very easy to download the client and like start using it right away as opposed to Monero where it was like I had to like call up my more technically inclined friend to even like try to start using it. So right. like that was literally the hurdle. Um, so like I was looking at Dash and oh, it's a not, you know, it's anonymous. But then I quickly, you know, with some investigation and reading quickly learned that Monero was, was, you know, was more truly fungible and actually private. Um, so did you investigate other ones like Zcash and Dash and what, whatever else was out there at the time? Or was it just straight to Monero? No, I mean, Dash was never presented to me or I never viewed it as a privacy so I didn't, I didn't investigate that. But the fact that Monero was on Alphabet, I'll be honest with you, spoke volumes to me. You know, that why not? These other coins are much more simpler to, to implement and integrate and use. Why aren't they using this? So that was kind of... That was a telltale sign. Yeah, a telltale sign of proof to me that, okay, 
um, you know, for example, you know, they say Omanero is being banned from certain exchanges. Uh, okay, then why isn't Verge or, or Zcash being banned or, or delisted from certain exchanges if they're so private? You know, because they're not private. So, so exchanges are keeping them. Um, but even that maybe have been some FUD, who knows? But, um, yeah, I mean, the whole Dash situation and the ease of use, I mean, we have, there's a certain Dash fan, I don't know, he always comments on our, anytime we come out the new version, he always comments that, oh, Dash is much easier, why can't you make your app like Dash? Um, so this new version was meant to just simplify the whole, you know, user experience. Um, we did learn, I mean, maybe we didn't learn the privacy thing from Dash, but maybe we are learning the ease of use and uh, simplicity of it. Yeah, what, what really interested me about Dash at that time too wasn't so much the pri like uh, privacy I saw as they were you know saying they, they could do that, but it was what I was interested in also too was like the governance model that they, that they uh, had going and basically the the funding system that they had built into it, mm -hmm. which obviously I don't think Monero has really solved that problem yet. Mm -hmm. Just in, in talking more about you know how all these things tie into each other. Ultimately, obviously, uh, um, you know, I think that it's crucial that, you know, you, you be a true open source project, but with that comes these issues of trying to figure out how you fund development, right? So like you just happened to out of nowhere, come, come out, build an iOS app. I mean, it was just kind of a miracle <laughs> more than anything else, but like, if there was this kind of more uh, robust funding system in place, maybe things like that would have happened faster. So do you do you think the Monero ecosystem could use some evolution in that area, or do you think things are kind of fine the way they are and they'll work their way at, work themselves no, out? I think, uh, as I understand correctly, Dash, the miners pay some kind of a fee on everything they mine, right? Yeah, I think there's like 10% of the mining rewards go to whatever. I may be, I'm probably getting the numbers wrong, but go to some like some fund that uh, goes to, you know, projects in the community. So I see two problems with that. Um, one is it's a forced tax, whether you want to pay or not. Okay. I thought the whole point of cryptocurrency is not to not pay taxes, but not to force taxes for some development, right? Second is then you're centralizing the development, okay? And then who is collecting that money? You know, uh, it's some centralized team of people that are collecting the money and paying the developers. Okay, then can you trust those developers? What are they putting in the code? I, I just it just doesn't make sense to me. I know Monero. It, it, some people may view it as messy, as okay. There's really no. You know, I mean, there is some sort of structure, of course, but but like you said, anyone can anyone can um, modify, recode whatever they want to do. Is it going to be accepted by the community? That's what matters. Not mm -hmm. not some entity sitting at the top and then dictating. This is how it's going to work. So so that's my issue with that raising money for funding. Again, then the funding team becomes answerable to the community. How are they acting? Are they acting in good faith? Where's all that money going? I think it creates more problems than it solves. Right. So Monero, I mean, overall, I think that's that's what causes kind of this slower uh, development on the uh, kind of a, on the superficial level. Obviously, like the you know the 
on, on the protocol level, everything seems to be more robust than most any other coin. Um, but on the more superficial user interface level, um, there it's just harder to get those things off the ground, I think, because of like the lack of the funding system. But I think they happen, eventually happen naturally, but I think they just end up taking more time. Right? I mean, they're like, that's why... That's why there was no iOS wallet. Yeah, exactly. That's why there was no iOS wallet. So do you do you think... Where's the Zcash iOS wallet? What's that? Where's the Zcash uh, right, right. wallet? It's, there's none. Okay. There's third-party wallets, you know, which are carrying other coins plus Zcash. But if you know, Zcash, the development team, where's their wallet? Mm-hmm. Also... But I don't know if they collect money for funding. I don't know how Zcash works. So maybe they don't work the same way as Dash. I don't know. I guess what I'm getting at, do you think there's a kind of a need there to improve like the Monero funding system, like the way projects are being launched or everything's fine and or it will organically happen as needed? Uh, just a matter of time. I think it'll organically happen um, because with this say what other coin has the privacy on all fronts, on all platforms that Monero has? None. There's no other coin like that. Um, and, and maybe that comes from the fact that it is completely open and everybody could work on it. You, know, you have a more centralized funding, centralized development. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah, by no means do I think, you know, it's not perfect. Would, it, would it ever be worth, you know, becoming centralized? But I'm just wondering um, if there are things to be done to kind of help move development along so that people are more incentivized to jump into the community. And not even with like, you know, building an iOS wallet, but things like marketing, right? So like, yeah, I started this show out of what I saw being a need. And actually kind of, like we said, you know, inspired by the fact that don't assume that somebody else is doing it. Just go do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do think there's definitely a need for marketing in Monero or uh, maybe marketing isn't the right word, but just kind of getting the word out about what's going on in Monero um, and just kind of spreading the word because nobody's going to do it unless we do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get, yeah. getting the word out there that it's, you know, and, and speaking of all the... Uh, the technical capabilities and privacy capabilities. To be honest with you, and this is one of the reasons we made Cake Wallet, was all the technology, underlying technology, can be fantastic, can be great. But if you don't make it easy for the user to use, it's not going to go anywhere. It's always going to remain in the techie crowd and you know the real super techie crowd, and it's never going to gain acceptance. So I think rather than going out and marketing and putting stickers on race cars or, or tying up with a foreign company or whatever, uh, give the tools, make the tools, you know, give the tools to the people that they can use. And, um, you know, we talk about elliptical curve, whatever, uh, cryptography and zero knowledge proofs and all that. But most people don't want to know that. They want to know. Am I getting privacy on all fronts? Do I have a tool to use it? And that's, they'll use it. Right. Like so, Dash. Dash is so easy to use. Right. And people use it. Right. Dash is kind of the other extreme. People know it's super easy. They can use it. But yet, you're, it's just why use it? 
because it, you're not really getting what you need. You're not get ultimately you're not getting the fungibility and the privacy. Right. Right. So I think Monero is on the right track. You know, first it you know, continues to there's a team of people or a community of people that focuses on the real technical stuff, uh, on the real mathematics behind it, and then you have people like me who are are making tools to use that technology and make it accessible to to a wider audience. So we had kind of, I had kind of asked you this question before. Um, but what, yeah, what do you think? So Monero fundamentally, I, I mean, I think is kind of the truest crypto, right? It's, it's like Bitcoin, but plus it has fungibility, which I think is essential. Do you think that because it has those essential attributes mm -hmm. that it's kind of destined to, to work and become, you know, uh, an adopted cryptocurrency? Or do you think even though it has those technical elements that are essential for crypto, that it still needs something else to kind of catch on and achieve this network effect? Or is it, is it, in, is it inevitable that, that Monero will work and grow and establish itself because of its technical fundamentals? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a double-edged sword. I think, um, the super privacy nature of Monero is going to make it more popular and the super privacy nature of Monero will hold it back from being used in certain transactions and certain, um, there are transactions, there are things you do where those transaction details should not be hidden or the companies that are working, whatever they're selling, let's say opioids, for example, you know, um, and we want that to be handled in a non-traceable world. I don't know. Will, will government, will your tax payments, you know, should that be done through something traceable like Bitcoin? Um, will they accept it? You know, I, I think there's going to be a, a certain type of business or, or, um, government entities which won't want a truly hidden currency. So I, I think both can survive. I think Bitcoin and Monero or, or something like Bitcoin or something like Monero can parallelly survive. And I think that that'll have to happen. I don't think one will be the coin. I think there'll be, there'll be one for your whatever you want to do all the time and for certain special you know right now monero is used for special things and bitcoin's used for everything else i think it'll flip i think where monero will be used for everything and bitcoin will be just used for special things where you want full traceability which is okay which would be kind of the smaller use case almost definitely, definitely. Right. But, but more defined you know maybe like opioid use or or, or buying legal marijuana i don't know i'm i'm, I'm just or like government, like governments moving money around. Government. So, yeah. Okay. So everybody can see where money's going. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, because I mean, I guess my or the thing that I always have in the back of my mind is will will the the first mover advantage of Bitcoin and its network effect eventually create a sh such a large shadow in the in the crypto sphere that everything else will kind of wither away and die. Or, or is there, is there kind of like a point at which a coin needs to be large enough by the time 
Bitcoin kind of reaches that that mass adoption. Otherwise, it's it's doomed to die. Well, I mean, we've seen network effects. We've seen other products that have large network effects fail. Um, you know, MySpace, everyone brings up MySpace or, or something like that, or GeoCities, you know, but oh, these will never fail. They're so wide. Everybody's using it. You never know. I mean, it's just, and, and this space is moving so fast. I mean, I think Bitcoin has a, it'll last, I don't know, because, you know, we, it was the first, we, you know, we have a special place for it in our hearts and, you know, it's, um, um, and then end the network effect, of course, but, you know, never say never. I mean, look at, look at uh, where Monero's coming just a few years. Are you following the whole like Bitcoin maximalist thing that's going on right now? Like there's a, like all the drama with kind of maximalist being a little too maximalist right now. And do you pay attention to that stuff or you just kind of ignore all the, the drama? I, I wouldn't say I ignore it. I, I just, I just don't follow it that much. Uh, but, but please ask me what it would. Well, like, like the tone vases of the world that do you guys, do you tune into any of those guys or not? <laughs> this is what I love about you, right? <laughs> You're completely above the fray. Just yeah. Ignoring, ignoring it. Yeah. Building technology, enjoying Monero. Well, I'll tell you the. Uh, I don't know who said this guy Kawasaki or, or, or maybe Bill Gates or somebody that said you know the. Um, the best way to think outside the box is not know that there is a box. You know, it's just like I said. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep moving forward. So tell me about the Bitcoin maximalist. Uh, well, I mean, you know, a, a Bitcoin maximalist right now would tell you that, you know, uh, Bitcoin is the one coin to rule them all and everything else is either a scam coin. I think there's two categories, scam coins and shit coins. All of them are doomed to fail. Shit coins are, they're not scams. It's not like you're t intentionally trying to scam anyone, yeah. but they're, they're, they're basically useless. Mm -hmm. So, uh, um, a Maximus will tell you that Monero is a useless coin that's that's going to serve no purpose and it's current, currently serving no purpose. Very uh, myopic view of the world and the cryptocurrency. It's uh, um, right where where the drama is coming in is I think everybody's starting to realize that that's a very extreme view and is obviously not true because I mean even today, yeah, Monero has obvious use cases right. that, that, that there's things you could do with Monero today that you cannot currently do with bitcoin it's not right. like hypothetical like literally today if you wanted to go you know buy antibiotics you would be a, f a fool to use bitcoin versus using monero well i mean I, th I think everybody has their own reasons for thinking the way e either they bought into it for so long and it's become like a religion and they don't want to go back or they don't think a coin like monero needs to be in existence where you know uh Sender and transaction and receiver has to be hidden. Um, who knows? But I, I think most of the people that are probably in there, I assume, probably more than actually looking at the facts. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's people that are literally are literally invested in Bitcoin. Sorry. It's people that are literally and you know fully invested in Bitcoin to the. Right the point where they're not able to kind of open up their minds to, to something else, which I think is a shame because I mean, they, they, I don't see how it's, it's been such a, it's only been what, like nine years, 10 years since this whole thing, this whole crypto thing's been around. Yeah. And before that it was us versus fiat. Right. And it was kind of like the same dynamic. 
Yeah. Right. Because if you were, if you were, uh, you know, uh, JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs or, you know, one of these guys that had, had everything to lose if crypto took over, you yeah. obviously were not open minded or open to thinking about a world where crypto starts to eat into the fiat world. Right. And now here we are only a few years later and the Bitcoin maximalists aren't open to thinking about a world where Monero eats into the Bitcoin world, which I think is kind of ironic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but even us, even, even you, I think you would also say that we too don't want Bitcoin to fail. And um, after our party in, uh, what was that, April? Um, May? I think our party in November now. Years flying by. Yeah, last spring. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Wait, I got to hold that thought for one second. Hold that thought. Hi, everybody. Everything okay? Yeah, I was just losing power. Oh, okay, no problem. So, you know, you remember after the party, we were, um, we were sitting in that room uh, with, uh, with Coffee Pony, and you know, you, even he was saying that we can say whatever we want, but we also don't want Bitcoin to fail because it kind of just represents the idea of cryptocurrency. And its failure today might be damaging to the rest of the other currencies, other cryptocurrencies, two years from now, three years from now, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I, w I wouldn't dare disagree with Fluffy. No, <laughs> but, no, you but no, but I don't know. Like that, like my heart of hearts, I don't know if I truly believe, like if, like we said, like you were just giving an example of MySpace, right? Obviously, that's a different animal. When MySpace failed, it didn't mean social networking failed because it's it's a different animal. So like the, the argument is if, if Bitcoin fails, crypto fails, because how could you believe in a store of value of any of this stuff if one day it exists and the next day it doesn't? Um, I mean, but but I'm, not, I'm not convinced that that's the case. I mean, I think it would certainly like slow down the space and there would, there would kind of be a little bit of a dark ages, but the, but the technology is here to stay. And uh, I think it would just, you know, it would eventually work its way back. The imperfections would be fixed. I, I, um, I agree with you. I agree with you. And yeah. I, but it would definitely be damaging. Like you said, it yeah. would slow things down. I mean, you go, you pull out, you go on the street right now. Most people don't even know that there's other cryptocurrencies other than Bitcoin out there. Right. Maybe they've heard of Ethereum. Maybe they've heard of Litecoin or something, you know, but that's it. I mean, most people are like, oh, really? There's more cryptocurrencies out there? And uh, yeah, there's this company that's really awesome. Well, that's, that's my reasoning, too, for why I don't think it would ultimately be the death of crypto. Because, I mean, so many things have happened in this space where I've just been shocked at, like, wow. But then you stop and think about it, and you're like, oh, because this is how humans are. Like, I mean, just alts in general. Mm -hmm. like, like, the I never would have predicted... I don't know if you saw it coming, but like the alt pump and like all these crazy alts. I mean, like maybe one or two, sure, but like all these thousands of useless coins that were just pumped to the moon from zero to to dollars overnight, and that's just 
human greed, right? People just try is literally penny penny stocks on steroids. Right. People are looking and, uh, for Bitcoin, they could buy for a penny and it'd be twenty thousand yeah. dollars. Right. So I mean if Bitcoin dies tomorrow, I mean that, that greed hasn't gone away and the technology hasn't gone away. So I mean people would still trying to be sell still try to, you know, push the crypto, right? And there would there would be takers. Yeah. I think you would lose what you would lose, I guess, is a lot of the old school Bitcoiners who would kind of lose faith in the tech. And I guess Bitcoin maximalists would tell you if you lose those guys, then you lose everything because they're they're the most important asset to the Bitcoin community. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I, I don't think it's likely that Bitcoin's going to fail, right? No, I don't. Like you said, I think the network, network, network effect and how many people are just in it and with the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, indexes and whatever else that's out there. Um, but, you know, never say never. Never say never. Nobody thought it was going to go to 20,000 last year, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> crazy i mean i remember in early 2000 or you know mid 2017 uh, when it was about a thousand dollars and i used to say to people it's gonna go up to seven eight thousand everybody would laugh um and you can find my old post saying that so it's not like hindsight thing um and you know but like you said never know never know i mean that's the whole thing it, it's such an experimental technology and that's what i like about monero nobody talks about the price Everybody talks about technology. I mean, most people that aren't into crypto and they know that I'm into crypto, they pull me aside and say, hey, let's talk. What, what do you think is going to happen with the price? And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what's going to happen with the price. It's an experiment. It's a, it's a social and technological experiment. Let it run. Let it run. Let it, let it run without regulation, without anything, and let's see where it goes. Either it's going to, it's going to be world-changing, which I think it already has. Right. It's going to die. If it's not, you can't do what it needs to do. It's going to die. Yeah. I mean, that, I feel like that used to be the culture in Bitcoin. I mean, when I first got into Bitcoin, that's what, you know, everybody, anybody that made any statement always uh, qualified with, well, you know, it's just an experiment. Right. Like anybody, like wherever you, anybody you talk to. And then uh, that slowly became, it slowly transitioned from that to Bitcoin is, in, it's digital gold and it's inevitable. Like when, when did we leave the experiment stage? Yeah. When, uh, where, I'm going to go to 500,000 or I'm yeah. going to my dick. <laughs> yeah. Now it's, it's digital gold, like 100% proven. But uh, whereas Monero has maintained its skepticism, uh, it's always questioning itself in the space. And what I think is interesting or w what's great about it is it's kind of a, it's a shared value within the community. And yeah. anybody that comes into the community, because they maybe they want, they're interested in privacy coins, yeah. uh, but they're coming here and they are interested in the price or they are kind of like they have that other mentality. Mm -hmm. I feel like the the community so strongly believes in in the fact that it's about the tech and the fundamentals that it actually changes people once they come into the community. Right. And they kind of go through this transition of all of a sudden they don't really care about the price. Right. So it's like we're I, th I think that's a great for whatever reason, there seems to be kind of a network effect in that respect for Monero. And that's it, that's working out really well for us. Definitely. I mean, you go to the Monero Telegram uh, chats or Discord, or whatever, uh, you go on Reddit. There's absolutely zero talk of price, you know, which is just amazing. You go on any other ones, they're talking about Lamborghinis and moon and stuff. <laughs> so how does um how do you think Monero 
transitions, what needs to happen for Monero to transition from this stage where it's, you know, we're just building a tech, there's speculation going on. If anything, it's being used kind of as a store of value. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some use on, on, the, on the dark net, but how do we really transition into the like this currency stage where people are using it as a currency? Like how do we cross that chasm? It making it easier. Is it just time? Is it just, it it's just making it easier and easier and easier and easier to use where it just becomes second nature. So what, what for like, for example, like, so, I mean, we, we have, well, I have Monero on an iOS wallet right now on my cake wallet. Mm -hmm. I could pretty much send this to anybody else that has a cake wallet. It's pretty easy. What, so what do you see as being? It's, it's actually not. I mean, it's, um, it's easier than it was last year. You know, but for for the common person, it's it's uh, it's still not easy. Uh, what do you mean I have to sync it? What do you mean block height? You know, what, and all these things, the user doesn't need to know all these things. So how do we how do we technically get over that? Like, what needs to be well, done in the design of Cake and things like that? How do how how does Cake become as slick as like Venmo? Yeah, I mean, it's just improvement of the technology. I mean, of the underlying Monero technology as well as the, the client technology as well has to keep improving and uh, gotten faster. Um, fees are, are drastically becoming lower. These are all little, little steps. Well, the, the bulletproofs, of course, is a massive step. Uh, but these are all steps. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not one or two big steps. It's a little incremental improvements where you feel, okay, yeah, it's not really getting better, but when you look back six months and you think, oh, wow, look at the difference we've, look how far we've come, look at the difference we've made. So, um, and again, yeah, if it was a centralized thing where, okay, so, you know, some VC firm comes in and drops 50 million and we hire 100 developers and yeah, you know, but again, we don't want that, right? We don't want that as a community. We don't want a uh, single entity controlling it. So like in the back, what are you constantly kind of thinking in the back of your mind for cake? Is that, is that what the thought is? Like, how do I make Monero uh, as usable as a Venmo? Or, yeah, as, as a Venmo or uh, what is that called? Um, that Zelle, Z-E-L-L-E, you know, the uh, Chase Quick Pay. Okay. Zelle, which I think Chase owns. Um, yeah, that's, that's the idea is to keep improving and, uh, Keep trying to build a tool for users where it takes no thought, where they open up the app, boom, and they can just send it, yet still having the advantages of having a decentralized blockchain. And, right. Um, because, I mean, with, without that, you can do that today. You can have right. a server and boom, right. money goes back and forth, like Venmo or, or Chase Pay. Which is why I think Cake is so embraced by the community because you made you've made that very clear from the get go and you've one hundred percent maintained it uh, that Cake is kind of like the bread wallet of Monero. I don't know if everybody knows what bread wallet is, but they were kind of true to the whole blockchain thing as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's definitely something that you're you're maintaining. That's that's a core value of. Uh, and, and you know, we had a when we started building the wallet, we would have very long discussions on, on these subjects. Uh, do we want to build a server and host the wallets and things like that? Do we want to charge a fee? Um, 
which initially I was like, yeah, let's charge a fee. And then I realized, wait a minute, then you're paying a fee. And then on top of that, you're paying a fee, you know, the, the transaction fee. It's, the whole thing just didn't make sense to me. Um, so we had long discussions on things like this. And we ended up with, let's have something that to the user, and I guess in reality too, which, which reads and connects directly to the blockchain. And there's no else, nobody else in the middle. It's you and the blockchain, that's it. And, um, and I think, I mean, it's, it has its problems, you know, endogenic, uh, my Monero uh, at the, uh, the consensus in New York City, we talked about this, you know, it's, uh, it's a trade-off, you know, and he even says it's a trade-off. It's uh, maybe the light wallets like my Monero may give you better user experience, um, but is it a privacy trade-off? I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it's, I, I, I really don't know, but, you know, we, we talked briefly on that when we were there. So, but to have a tool that, that reads the blockchain directly without any other middle servers or machines or computers or what have you, that technology still needs to be improved and it is getting better. I mean, from where we were in January to where we are today, the sync times have improved drastically. I think anybody will tell you that. So what, uh, with this latest release, what were the, uh, do you want to just quickly explain like what some of the improvements were or what some of the new features are? Um, I think, uh, well, you know, design, it's completely different. Um, where initially when we came out with version two, we thought it's a really good design. We thought it looks really cool. And the more and more I looked at it, I was like, look at all these numbers, <laughs> values, available balance full balance, you know, what's going on, you know, your fiat value. And it just looked like, like, like I said, in the, in the meetup, looked like a submarine terminal from like the 1970s, you know, <laughs> slowly started eating away at me. I was like, okay, we to change it. So we, we actually hired a proper designer, a graphic designer. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we bounced around, had them do a bunch of different designs. Uh, looked at a bunch of other different wallets and tried to take. Sure. <laughs> okay, don't worry. But, <laughs> so wait, how, how many developers are working on Cake? Now two only. Okay. Full time and one uh, designer was just part time. Yeah. And then of course we have Knife of Pi who provides support and and, uh, and sometimes just moral support. <laughs> um, so what other features? The design is drastically different, drastically different, uh, which we're getting a lot of good feedback, except one guy on Reddit said it was horrific. <laughs> you, always, you always have that one guy. Yeah, so I mean, you know, to each his own design. And beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Was that the My Monero guy? No, just kidding. Nah, <laughs> My Monero was beautiful. My Monero app looks really good. Very slick, yeah, it's nice. Um, we added a bunch of languages. Um, I'm trying to remember what else we've done. Um, design languages. Oh, I got I got to look at the list. There's you know always always. What there was the uh, the sub addresses, right? Oh yeah, yeah, the sub addresses. So how does that work exactly? Um, so with the, you could still make unique multiple wallets, right? Right. If you go to the receive screen, there's a uh, 
little address book symbol there on the upper right hand corner. You click on that and over there you can create as many sub addresses that you want or however many it allows. But you could you could still make multiple while multiple unique wallets from seeds as well, right? Because yeah. like yes. I, right, you, okay. you can do both, and so you can create multiple wallets, and within each uh, wallet, you can create multiple sub addresses. So actually, yeah, that was a big feature, and it just uh, so like when when should a user be making a different wallet versus just using a sub address or? Well, let, let's say you're doing some business online, you're always pasting that same address somewhere, or just you know you're. you're gotcha. I don't know, you're just doing some small business, whatever you're doing, you're just pasting that same address. Eventually people figure it out that that's you, you know? So but if you um, you don't want to change wallets every time because that's a pain, then you got to remember all these seeds, you know, different key, private keys or different seeds, whatever you, whatever you store. So, but if you create a different sub address, uh, it's the same seed, uh, but you can post different sub addresses everywhere. For each transaction you can, Create a new uh, sub address. Yeah, one of the things I noticed a lot of these, um, like like Tone Vase, a lot of these YouTube guys that would always put their donation address, mm -hmm. they like stopped. They stopped putting Bitcoin donation addresses on their YouTube channels. What do they put now? Like nothing. But I'm wondering if part of the reason is, you know, it's like now you could start seeing them as they collect it. Eventually, they're gonna try to track, tra you know, move that money, right? Right, and if it's only going to naturally move back towards their whatever their core wallet, right? So it's yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, just the fact that uh, in, in Bitcoin, uh, people can see the the Genesis block; it still hasn't been moved. Those those coins haven't been moved or spent. Right, that says enough. <laughs> Satoshi's got to be kicking himself right now, wish wishing he invented Monero. Yeah, he lost. <laughs> I've always thought about like, do you think when Bitcoin was launched, was was the tech just not there to do, um, you know, uh, an obfuscated blockchain? Do you think like Satoshi just didn't want to do it for reasons of wanting to make sure people would trust the technology first, or it was just wasn't he, he wasn't even capable of doing? Uh, I'm just obviously there's no answer, but yeah, I mean, I would think interesting thought. I think it was, it's an evolution, right? Uh, Bitcoin technology is the first iteration. Um, you know, you right? Can, you but like, if if he had the option of launching it as a blockchain, an obfuscated blockchain like Monero, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if he would have even done that, or if he thought it was crucial to kind of well, let I mean, people see how it works first. I mean, look how long it is. It's taking Monero core devs to perfect this technology, and new stuff comes out every day. Um, so again, I don't think he knew something. I, I would not imagine that he knew something and didn't implement it. I just, right. I, I just think it was, I think it was step one. Right, right, right. Okay. He, he or she or they, whatever it is, uh, would have stuck with it and stayed on. Um, maybe this, you know, would have been the next step in the evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, you're breaking up for a sec. What did you say? I said I don't imagine that they uh, had the technology and didn't implement it. Right? Yeah, that would that would make sense. I mean, from pretty early on, though, he was. I think some people were even posting it on Monero on uh, Monero right the other day. Kind of discussions about, um, you know, the, 
the need for um, technology and Bitcoin that will allow it to be more fungible. Like I, he, I think he saw that as an issue very early on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I mean, as when you're building something, do you wait until you've built everything and then launch it? You know? uh, then it's there's no end. Oh, well, after Monero, you know what we're talking about. What's the next step? Now people are talking about this ovary and you know, all this. Right, you would never. It would never launch. It would never launch. Right. And tell you the truth, that's a that's a battle I have with my devs, where I'm like, okay, this is good enough. Let's launch it. Let's go. You know, nothing's going to mm. be perfect, and you can always keep adding stuff. Let's launch it, and then um, we'll add to that. We'll keep adding. What do you think of kind of the fud that was spread recently too? About I mean, it even came up at the meetup. Uh, that guy sitting up in the front was was kind of taking that that line of thought. Um, that because uh, basically with Monero that you have to trust the math more than you do with the Bitcoin um, because of the cryptography that's, you know, uh, you know, allows you to obfuscate transactions and you can't see who's sending what to who. Um, and ultimately, you just can't really uh, audit the chain as easily as you can in Bitcoin, which forces you to kind of trust the math and trust the developers more. Do you think that's that's an issue? Do you think no? Because I think there's this. It's an understanding different levels of math, right? Somebody who doesn't understand cryptocurrency at all, or doesn't understand the math behind any cryptocurrency, would view Bitcoin as anonymous. Would view Bitcoin as, as a private coin, and for them, the same question would be: Well, I don't understand the math. Well, I don't understand what's going on, so I'm not going to use it. I don't trust it. Yeah, so, so the um, you know, so so Monero has that same issue. You can, it, everything's open source; it's uh, open code. You can go in there and you can see the math. I actually, yeah. Now you gave a great answer to his question, which was you basically told him that he can go learn it, yeah. learn it. <laughs> no, but you, you, you learn it, or you or you have somebody that knows it, and right? And they look at it for you, and you, you trust them. Or you can go ahead and learn it. But the same thing with Bitcoin, right? He had to, he or she had to learn something to understand Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just a question of different level of math. Yeah, I think it's funny. Like people think blockchain is the elimination of trust. Mm -hmm. And they, they kind of get confused by that. Yeah, it, it's about um, uh, eliminating aspects of, you know, in society where we trust each other, where we shouldn't have to which is kind of getting rid of a middleman for exchanging value. So we don't have to exchange a trust this middleman, but you still need to trust the people that are building the tech. And it's just like, you know, when I, when I get in my car, I'm trusting that my, the, the brakes in my Jeep will work because they were manufactured properly. Um, and you know, if I, if I understand cars, then I can go look at it myself and check it out. Or I could just kind of trust that other people have vetted that. So I mean, there, there's still you know, trust still exists. It's just now it's on a different level. Um, so yeah, like with with auditing the Monero blockchain, ultimately, yeah, you're gonna have to trust maybe in the researchers that are saying no, this is good. And like you're saying, if you want, you could ultimately go look under the hood yourself. Right. But you just need to figure out what you're looking at. It's all there to look at. Yeah. Uh, just need to learn it. Right, definitely. Um, I, again, I think, it, like I said, it comes to the level of math and where you are with your math knowledge. 
and I tell you the truth, I, I tried to read Zero to Monero, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is fine. I kind of remember this from uh, third year of engineering, you know, modular algebra. And, and then I think on the fourth or fifth page, I was like, what? The? <laughs> I, did, I did the same oh. thing. I was like, oh, this is great. And then, yeah, literally, uh, and it just, ten, it's like 10 minutes in, I was like, what? Yeah, what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah. you could stop there. You can, you know, watch some more YouTube videos. You can go to your local university, take some classes on it if you want. Or you, or you I don't know, or you trust somebody or you trust the community that is looking at it under the hood. So all this stuff, I mean, do you think, you know, uh, kind of just big vision here, um, like what kind of impact ultimately is Monero going to have on the world if things work out the way they're supposed to work? If, if we actually get this going, it gets adopted, people start using it. I mean, is this going to like revolutionize things? Is this, like, how are we going to be impacted? We're going to be, we're going to have this money on our phone um, that's unconfiscatable that we could zap to anybody else in the world without, um, you know, anybody stopping us from sending it to whoever, to whoever we want to send it to. Basically we become uh, in complete control of our own money. What kind of ramifications do you think that's going to have? I mean, is that uh, something well, you think about? I do. And, and I'll say, I mean, we can think big picture, but I'll, I'll say something else as well. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you think of the normal things, okay, it's going to lead to personal freedom and freedom from the state and give you ultimate privacy. Um, you know, as people always say, well, I've, I have nothing to hide. Well, you have nothing to hide. Why do you put your letter in an envelope? You know, why don't you just mail it open? You know? um, so, you know, privacy, freedom, those are the two things, but what is going to be the killer app for cryptocurrency? We don't know. We don't know. We imagine today in terms of what we do today. We imagine tomorrow in what in what we uh, in terms of what we do today and what we know uh, today. Um, today is what Monday. We know. Okay, Wednesday. We can kind of imagine what we're going to do Wednesday, right? Well, we have no idea what's going to happen Tuesday, which could significantly alter what happens on Wednesday. So technology, I feel, is, is the same way. It, um, we're always basing on the, the basing the future on what we know today, not what we know, to, but we may know tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. So the killer app, you know, uh, the internet, people thought, what are people going to use the internet for? You know? And for a while, email became the killer app. Nobody would have imagined. What you mean, just sending stupid letters to back, you know, back, back and forth to each other? That that was the killer app, but it was, and probably still is today. Email is probably the most uh, widely used tool. Um, so you never know. You never know. Um, we can think in today's terms, yes, to buy things, to buy services, to build wealth, to store wealth. But there's probably some use which we have not come up with. Or we don't even need yet, but there'll be some new technology or new social change which will require that. that mm -hmm. yeah. um, I always use the example of uh, sci-fi movies from the 1980s or 1970s or even before that. You see those big CRT monitors and spaceships, 
you know, and now we, we think it's laughable. Like, no, you would have some kind of a flat screen, you know, some kind of a LCD screen, a LED screen, or some uh, organic, whatever it's called, OLED screen on your on your uh, on your wall. Right. It's it's impossible to imagine what the implications are going to be. Exactly. Oh. And ten years from now, we're going to laugh. Could you imagine? We thought OLED. It's all holograms now, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, so I think um, for us as, as a uh, tool maker, we we just want to keep perfecting that tool and um, and be ready for whatever that use is that can come. Cool. Yeah, that's all I got. So anybody uh, who's watching this who has not already downloaded Cake Wallet and has you know an iOS phone um, has an an iPhone. Definitely do it. It's the uh, it's the premier iOS open source Monero wallet. Um, well respe- well respected in the community. Was it? What's that? Did I miss something? No, I was just gonna say one thing real quick that uh, I don't know if most people know about us or not. Um, before Cake Wallet, we did build two other apps, which are kind of shitty, and they're they're still on live. I don't I don't even know if they work. But again, it was about privacy. One was. Uh, a photo sharing site, an anonymous photo sharing site uh, based on your location. And the other app was a um, email client behind a calculator screen. So are, mode. Are those still, uh, can you still download this? I think so. Yeah, you had met, you had mentioned maybe making a skin for cake wallet, right? Exactly. I think that would, that would be super popular. Really? Yeah, maybe that's something we can charge for. I think there was just a post on Reddit today on uh, I forget which I think it was New Zealand. I saw it on Twitter what? where they had confiscated somebody's phone and they wanted access to it. And I mean, this you know this happens all over the world, but there was something in particular about the story where they I think they they really like just took the guy's phone and went through his entire like forced them to give up his passwords and open up his phone and. I mean that happens all the time, but um, yeah, I would love to have a, a calculator skin. I yeah, guess we're, we're giving it away though. Maybe make it something else. Well, <laughs> I said delete the uh, app. Um, yeah, I don't know if you remember at the meeting I talked about that. If I'm going into a country where I think it's kind of you know, yeah, of course, that's the, that's the best way to do it. I just delete the app, then once I'm in the country, I reinstall it, put my seat in, and uh, good to go. Right. And your money just boom, money shows up. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You were wrapping up. Do you have to? Yeah, if you delete the app, re reload it, um, you'd have to put in all your obviously all your old wallet seeds. Yes. Obviously, yep. Okay. And and we thought about that. We thought about uh, should we just give a iCloud option for storing this and keep it in the right iCloud keychain? And I'm thinking yes. Just as an option. Just as an option. Yeah. Yeah. Just a toggle for people who do trust Apple's uh, encryption. So then then basically if you reinstalled it and you logged in, everything would just kind of already. Right. It would reestablish. Yeah. Yeah. I think as an option. Because you. Not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because you look at uh, the GUI, for example, right? I mean, there is a wallet file, right? That's stored locally on the computer. It. which has um, transactions 
mm-hmm. which has a digital addresses and what have you address book, right? So recently, I've been thinking maybe that is something that users would want, so they're not starting from scratch every time they they install the app. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a good idea as an option. Yeah, an you option. know, you, you try to keep it keep it pure to what you have, but maybe you you start to offer these other uh, more user friendly things that could theoretically take away some privacy at just as options if people want to opt into them instead yeah. of making them like kind of the default. Yeah, yeah. which uh, I guess like my Monero is kind of taking more of that approach, right? Which I think, you know, I think it's definitely, it should be said, that's, that's a good while too. They're also, I think, obviously, they're also open source. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the fact that you kind of got a leg up and you were the first one really kind of established, you kind of have like the network effect of a iOS wallet in Monero land. And uh, I don't know, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the light wallet, I think we're, we're going to add an option for light wallet as well. So if you do want a pure wallet, you know, uh, uh, or if you want a light wallet, we'll give that option as well. Okay. Try to give the user as many options as possible to make it easy. Again, to make it user friendly and uh, not just lock them in into one way of thinking, waiting 20 minutes for it to sync and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, why not give the option? Sounds good. Yeah. What do you think? Anything else to, uh, to say? Sorry? Anything else? What do you think? Oh, uh, no, that's good. That's good. I didn't realize my uh, background. This looks good. It's very Monero, all dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little window in myself. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody was requesting like a a night. What did they call like a night skin or something like a night mode? Night mode. Yeah, and, and we always forget. Well, tell the truth, we just forget. It's on our list, and we're like, okay, next next version, we'll put that in. Next version, we'll put that in. But yeah, we'll do that. Cool. I mean, it looks nice at night. You know. Spouse is sleeping and you want to send some Monero. <laughs> Secretly pay somebody something. Yes. <laughs> uh, use case. You got it? There's a use case. There's a use case. Right. There, yeah. All right, um, before we go down that road. All right, Vic, thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks so much for this. Yeah, thanks, man. Take care.